0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 216 On this week's show. I am so honored to be featuring an interview with Jennifer Loudon. Jennifer is a personal growth and self-help pioneer who helped actually launch the concept of self-care with her first best-selling book, The Woman's Comfort Book. She has also since then penned six other books and she has another title coming out, In May of 2020 that she's joining us to talk about today. And that is why bother? Discover the desire for what's next. I think you guys are going to love this conversation. There were so many amazing aha moments for me as Jennifer was explaining her more recent thoughts about compassion and self care. And when we got to this quote, where she said grit without compassion is just grind. Oh my goodness, you guys, I cannot wait to share the entire interview with you before we get to that, I want to give you a very warm welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know it is the midst of holiday season. So I hope the show is going to bring some joy to your day as you are out and about maybe doing some holiday shopping, or maybe you're sitting there wrapping your presents. Totally a great time to listen to some of these great interviews. You could go back to the entire catalog maybe and tune into a few more from the past. If you're new and you want to find out more about the show or about me, you can find everything at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. While well, you're there, of course, I have a lovely newsletter that I send out every week, and it's where I share three joyful things, which is really my fun way of sharing some of my thoughts about the stuff that I get to talk about with each guest, and my aha moments are the behind the scenes that hit me, and so I share that out in my newsletter, and we talk about the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to bring more joy to your life as well. You can find the sign up for that at the bottom of every one of the episodes in the show notes, or you can find a link to it on the homepage. I do show notes for absolutely every episode, and you can find the ones for this conversation with Jennifer at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Jennifer. And you'll get the links to pre-order her upcoming book along with a link to her website and another past couple of books that she highly recommends for getting in tune with this upcoming year. The other exciting thing that I have to share with you guys is as we're rounding into the new year, I bet you're thinking about the things that you want to do in the year 2020, which seems impossible. (laughs) How are we there already? But if one of those things is to start a podcast, then I have news for you. I will be starting my very much beloved (laughs) Jumpstart Your Podcast class. And that's going to be starting up in mid-January of 2020. It runs eight weeks and we go from an idea for your show, because I know you have one, and it's going to be amazing, and I cannot wait to hear it. And we take you from that idea into actually creating a first episode and being ready to launch in about eight to 10 weeks after that. It is so much fun and I love teaching it. It is live taught. You'll talk to me (laughs) and meet some other new like-minded people that I know you're just going to fall in love with as well. So if you want to join up, you can find a link also on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com and you want to get on the VIP list for that and then grab your spot when I open them up in just a couple of weeks. So this week I'm really delighted to have Jennifer Loudon joining us. She is such an inspiration and has been in the space of personal growth and and self-help, self-care for so long. So I think the thing that you guys are going to love so much and even when she pitched to me on the show that stood out for me it was this question that she is now toying with and, and will be the center of the book that comes out next year is Why Bother? And we really unpack this. Uh, She has a lovely framework for it kind of getting your head around the things that both bother you and how that can be um, the nudge that you have a piece of your life that you want to transform and and change up. Or, you know, really the question of why bother in in another way is like, why would you bother to do it? And maybe there's things in your life that it's time to let go of. And that question helps clarify that for you as well. So I really loved getting to play with this question with her. And I really loved some of the other pieces she brought up, like I mentioned about, you know, grit, and compassion and and how we just lean into taking better care of ourselves every day in a way that feels really nourishing and authentic. So Without further ado, let's jump right on into this conversation with Jennifer Loudon.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Paula. (laughs) The first thing that I ask
0: everyone is, would you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy?
1: What a great question. I think (laughs) it was the same that it is now, which I've got a lot of people say. It's making stuff up. It's dreaming things up. It's creating things. And it's learning, especially through reading. That's awesome.
0: Would you like to tell us all a little bit about what you do now?
1: The older you get, that's the bigger question. (laughs) (laughs) I just finished a new book that comes out next year in May 2020, and it's called Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. It's really a great answer to the question of what do I do, not only because it's a book that I wrote, but because in writing it and in the very long journey to write it after writing eight other books very quickly, I had a a dry spell really of about 11 years when I didn't, and every book I wrote didn't feel right. It didn't gel. I didn't publish anything for that long. And it was a rediscovery of what it is that I do and what I am really have always done and getting clear on it, I think, that allowed that book to finally get written. And that is to really help people make what they want and to overcome the things that get in our way from making what we want. And that means relationships and connections and health and life, creativity. So I think that really sums up what I do. I may help people make what they want. And I've done it through, as I said, a bunch of previous books. I've done it through leading retreats for years. Um, I lead two kinds of retreats now, writing retreats and desire retreats that are based on the new book. And I coach writers a small amount and I have a a community online called the Oasis that's really a weekly practice to show up and remember your life matters and what matters.
0: You mentioned that you've looked back and you made a pivot in what this latest book is about. Or at least you were revisiting and seeing what lights you up now. I don't know if you want to dive into that a little bit.
1: I don't know. You write something, you create something, you're so close to it. And the people who have read the book so far, my editor and um, the early endorsers, have said that it's really, really different. And it's not like anything that's out there. But it's so close to me that it doesn't feel like a pivot. It feels like a clarification, Mm-hmm. I had a lot of baggage around the work that I've done and especially the first 12-15 years of my career as a career come the air quotes personal growth expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, close air quote. And I think part of it is because the industry has so many um, charlatans in it and so much about making money. And part of it was that I really had this deep story that I had to be able to have the answer to everything. So I would give a keynote speech or I would give a workshop and I would be like, well, I'm a failure because I didn't reach everybody. I didn't change everybody's lives So ridiculously high standards. And I also was always, and, and when I look back at my books, that's what they mostly are, I was always more interested in helping people discover for themselves what was in the way or, or what needed to change than having the answers. But I was in a lot of conflict about it. So I think that there's a ownership and a clear alignment that's happening now in, in my work, and that feels really good. And, and I'm sure part of it is the aging process. I'm going to be 57 in a few weeks. I think you come in, if you're doing your work, whatever that means, you're being honest with yourself um, in different ways. You're trying to see through all the ways that we can't be honest with ourselves because of how our brains are built. Right. Then you hopefully come to some clarity.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's some lovely nuance in there that I don't know if I can do it justice, but my background is life coaching and podcasting, and but also in digital production. I was a project manager, still mm-hmm. am for a really long time. And I know it's so much easier to market someone else. Not that that's specifically what you're talking about, but that's kind of the creative space I've been in. It's so much easier to do for someone else than it is for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though I know what I should be doing and I know how it should work. But then when I try and do the work on myself, it's so much harder.
1: It's harder to put into words your own message and to see. I was talking to Jenny Nash. She's a book coach, and she's starting to move really strongly into training book coaches, and she's doing a summit. So she was interviewing me recently, and we were talking about the value of book coaching. We, of course, could say this is the value of any coaching. And and over and over again, what I see is when I sit down with somebody with their book or their writing, and I'm sure you see this with their marketing, that they can't see what's there or they can't see what's not there, but they think is there. (laughs) One of the things that I I just led a writing retreat last week, I do one sort of deep dive retreat, with people who are farther along with their projects every year. And so they bring me their projects and we talk one-on-one for half an hour. and, And so often people think that who they're writing to and what they're writing about is they'll say, this is who I'm writing to, and this is what the point of my book is, and this is how I change, let's say it's a memoir. And then they'll tell me the story, and I'm like, oh, those two are completely different. (laughs) They do not line up. Um, Now, the book that you're writing, the thing that you're telling me about, that's what you really want to write. This is who it's going to serve, and this is what its point is. And I imagine, um, yeah, that happens to all of us. And I think that's one of the reasons we need lots of people to help us and lots of friends and all that.
0: And what a gift, too, when someone can reflect back to you. The thing that you just said, but in new words, right? Yeah,
1: it, it really is. It really is. And when people can take it in yeah. and really digest it and work with it, it's a phenomenally cool thing.
0: You mentioned a little bit about when you reached out and, and what I heard just a minute ago was something about get your bother on. What does that mean and how has it crafted your work currently?
1: I think I finished the second or third draft of the book and then I've been part of a, group, a peer mastermind we called the Brain Trust. For, oh, I don't know, we've been together like 15, 16 years. And we get together regularly on Zoom and we have a forum and we check in with each other a few times a week. But once a year, we get together in person. And I had finished the book. It was with my, might have been with beta readers or I don't remember where I was in the process. And we'd all gotten together and I was talking about the book and we were talking about book marketing and all the things that we're going to be doing in the next year, two years, whatever it takes. And one of my friends said, well, yeah, it's just all about getting your bother on. I'm like, damn, that's fantastic. I'm taking that. That's going to be my hashtag. Um, So it's just one of the ways I started to talk about the work, which is really, it's very simple. It's very it's very profound at the same time, which is we all come to times in our life, multiple times, when either a particular area of our life, our career, our relationship, our health, or our whole life is permeated by a feeling of well, why the other? right? Or I don't care. It could be deep despair or it could just kind of be garden variety meh. And what my discovery is from my own life is that when we can turn into that moment, that time in our lives, it's actually an incredibly fertile time to figure out what's really calling to us next. And that why bother is two-sided. It has a blank side, then that's the one that we identify with. Everything's over, it sucks, there's no point, but it has another side. And that is the side of the question that we ask in a completely different tone of voice. Why bother? What do I want to actually bother about? And when we come to these places in our lives, it's usually because something has ended. Something has run its course. Something no longer fills us or fulfills us or has been taken from us through death or divorce, illness. And we're hanging on. We're hanging on to the old. We're hanging on to the familiar. And I know because I did it over and over again. I would come to these why bother cliffs and then I would run backwards as fast as I could to whatever was familiar, right? And keep doing the Mm -hmm. thing that wasn't fulfilling me. I would make it better. I would make it work. But I never went through the door until I was in my mid-40s. I never really went off that cliff and said, why bother? And, and there's a process in there. There's a transformation. It's almost, with, it's almost before the transition can start. We all know about transitions and being in transitions, but there's pieces of it that I found that nobody else was talking about. So getting your bother on it, it is, is the process of being in that place so then you can begin to find what is calling you about your career or your health or your relationship or your whole life what is truly yours. And it's there. Here's the other thing I know. It's there for every single one of us, but we don't believe
0: it. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) So much goodness right there. Oh my goodness. Well, and I mean, there's some of it that we think even subconsciously that we've air quotes, got it figured out until this thing starts to rise Mm -hmm. in our life, Mm -hmm. whatever this bother is. And It finally kind of gets so loud or so Uh cumbersome that we're making excuses around it or we're trying to work around it, but then we have to deal with it. I love that. I mean, and then that becomes the pain point. So we no longer have a choice, really, is what I've found, at least.
1: Yeah, but you know what? I mean, sometimes that's true. And when it's true, it's a real gift. My girlfriend and I just yeah. had a quick lunch between calls. And she said, Yeah, you know, I found the only way I can do it is when I hit rock and pot. And she goes, Is there any other way to do it? Because she's reading the book right now. Yeah. And I'm like, Well, that's a really interesting question. I'll have to think on it. But I, I know, and you know, scores of people
0: who stay at work. Yeah. Well, and that's part of that question there is kind of the, oh, I mean, the beginning and the birth of this, this show and where mm-hmm. that started was what happens when somebody finds themselves in this really difficult or improbable space that they didn't ever see themselves being in. And what happens when they choose joy is basically mm-hmm. the cho- question there, because I've been through my own and I decided, well, this is, this rock bottom space w- is no longer acceptable. This mm-hmm. is not what I planned. <laughs> it is absolutely not what I want. And I want to be that version of myself that I know is so possible. And it's still out there somewhere. I just don't know right this minute or at that
1: moment where she went. So... Mm-hmm. I think the more we can normalize that, Paula, the more that we can be with people and, and build a culture that yeah. can you that says this is just normal. And you go to have coffee with your friend, and you're like, oh my God, I've completely lost my bother, I've completely lost my joy, I'm at rock bottom. Or you go to your boss and you're like, I have no idea why I'm doing this work anymore. And it's like, let's figure out why what yeah. is it here that could motivate you? And one of the things I say in the book is it's it's not that I'm saying everything is supposed to be intense and meaningful. Maybe you decide to stay in the job that bores the hell out of you because you really want the benefits because you have cancer or your partner has cancer or you want to get the kids through college. Yay. Mm-hmm. But you can't coast through your whole life. Mm, no. so, you know. So maybe, maybe your life becomes about the work you do in the community. I was just talking to a friend about this at a party uh, a, a couple of weeks ago and they have a successful business, but they're slowly being less and less involved in it. And it's more and more routine for them. They're about my age. And he keeps being drawn to mentor youth in the community. Our town is 50% Hispanic, and most of the people mm-hmm. they employ in their business are Hispanic. And he sees these kids who are amazing and have all this potential, but they, they don't have the, the cultural support to thrive in a, a culture that is about things that are dominantly white and all the things that we know how to, to naturally do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he wants to mentor them. And I'm like, you keep talking about this. This matters. And Mm -hmm. that's part of what we don't do. We don't pay attention to the things that keep coming up. Or we want to know how they're gonna work or how it's all gonna pan out. It's like, no, you don't get to know that. It's none of your business. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's almost like that idea dances with our hearts until we pay attention and say yes.
1: Can we just take the first step? Like start mentoring one kid. There's yeah. one kid. Like you can get, you can get a grant for this. There's all kinds of resources around you that we can pull in. But let's just start. Like he's like, I want to. He's a weight lifter. Like, I really want to help him get fit. And there's all these pieces to it. I'm like, great.
0: When I help people start podcasts, I mean, the creative process is. And I know you've done so much work with this, so it'll be really fun to talk about some of these pieces as well. But like people get into what I call end thinking, where it's mm-hmm. they have an idea for one thing, and then by by the time you know 20 seconds later, it's a okay. shop they're selling 20 million to target and they need to figure out licensing deals. And you're like, no, what? No.
1: I know. <laughs> oh my settle God. that down
0: because you just have to make one to start. You
1: know, it's so dangerous. I yeah. I don't think a week goes by when I don't hear someone say they some version of that. It's yeah. so dangerous to look at the big picture and, and to think about outcome and it's hysterical to watch people. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, well, I'm really afraid of becoming too successful. Okay, well, I'll help you when we get there.
0: It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it all shifts. It all changes. and Yeah, it's okay. I also love that you layered in there what, what you were just talking about was so much of the choice that is involved with saying yes to the thing and then actually acting on it. 'Cause I think those are a couple of the pieces when I talk about joy and it's kind of the inspiration, intention, action and the choices that are involved, like that when we are met with a creative process or when we're looking at what our bother is, like we have to acknowledge it, make the choice to unpack it and then move along with it.
1: Yeah, nothing happens without action because then there's no feedback loop and and, and there's no exercising of our personal power. And just from a perspective of our brain, there's there's nothing to look at and say, I did that. And that is really hard for our brains. That's why we procrastinate. One of the reasons we procrastinate. So yeah, you have to take action. And most people don't know what small steps really are. They write down projects on their to-do list and then they wonder why they procrastinate because it's overwhelming and scary. Oh, yes. I spend so much time Every day, breaking my to-do list down into into actual steps so I can look at it and it says, you know, email so-and-so. Okay, I know how to do that. I can do that. Yay! email so-and-so, click it off my list. And actually only putting the things on my day that I have time to do. So I have a lot of calls today. I can't, if I put a bunch of other stuff on my list, it's not going to get done. It's so demotivating and it feeds that sense of why bother. Sometimes why bother is that it needs a technical solution, right? You need to actually... All steps breaking things down, living what I call a human scale life.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> could you talk about the human? Did you say scaled, human scale life? Up. Yeah, so I'm in a first year of being an entrepreneur, and yeah, I, I know projects, <laughs> but then there's this thing where I could just keep working till 2 a.m., and then mm-hmm. somehow this thing that I thought I was building so that I could have a life that fits is now something that's taken over my life, and yeah. I don't know where I've gone. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah we in the entrepreneurial community in the creative community in the general culture of the west mm-hmm. we don 't have a model of humanity anymore um, it 's changed so radically in my lifetime. The idea that you actually have dinner or that you have weekends off or you take vacation without checking in mm-hmm. it just keeps getting it 's just been eroded by the thinking class and the Um, executive class and the entrepreneurial class. But there's also more, it's almost more sneaky in that there's this uh, mindset or this almost this vibe, this zeitgeist, we could call it, of more faster, more faster, be a robot. When you think about it, when you step back and you look at all the bro, tech bro, life hack stuff, mm, it's yes. so, I mean, almost none of it's about how present can I be? How much can I understand that this life matters? It's always about how can I hack the system so I can get more done? I mean, that has just invaded and pervaded so many of our like our values, where so it, it turns into where we feel like slappers, like losers, because we're not operating at that all the time. And it is profoundly depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really, that alone can make you ask, why bother? Because you never feel like you're enough. You're never doing enough fast enough. You're never getting there fast enough. There's always somebody who's hacking the system better than you. And now people are taking like, tropic things for your brain so you can it's like okay, why don't we all just take Adderall and be done with it right <laughs> yeah yeah and people are talking about, well, yes, I eat this much of my just super dark chocolate, and I drink this much of my caffeine, and I take this much of my sm- smoke this much of my pot, and then I'm in the creative zone, and I can work for ten hours. I'm like, no, no, thank you, no, thank you. <laughs> I want to actually, sh- I want this to be my life, and I know that that is that is a privilege, right? I am not working three jobs at minimum wage. I am in a very privileged position in my career and in my life and from family. And I totally recognize that. So if people listening are like, screw you, Jen, I have to do those things. I, all I can say is that's why we need to vote for different people in office. I need to work on structural changes in our, in our country.
0: Well, and I think there's also a nuance there in that I feel like a lot of the tech bro, hack bro stuff is um, also, it's coming from a place of deep privilege as well, meaning I already have a lot, and now I'm playing with how to have even more. I think you're right. Like this, One, there has to be that kind of cultural shift back to how do we get out of this space of pushing ourselves to overwhelm, but there's also got to be then the structural pieces where we support a working class exactly. so that they don't have to feel like they have to figure out these hacks.
1: Exactly. Oh my God, brilliantly said. And then we realize that the tech, and I don't want to say all the tech pros, but, but this whole system of how can I hack my life usually means we're screwing up somebody else's life. Oh, I can, yeah. So I can <laughs> hack my life. So you bring me my food, so I don't have to leave the house. So I get my green juice delivered. Well, how, how's that person living? Mm-hmm. Or so I get all my Amazon dropped on my rooftop in thirty seconds. What's that doing? Well, it's not working. So we have to see how our um, greed, in a way, for hyper-productivity sends out ripples. None of us are innocent of that. Right. Right. And my team and I, were always working on that to have more balance. And, and, and that's one of the things people do sometimes. You look like you're, they think you're Amazon, right? Because you have a website and you have some people who work for you. And they're like, why didn't you answer my email? I lost my password. Why couldn't I get it over the weekend? It's like, because we take the weekends off. <laughs> yeah.
0: That, and that is interesting that the whole thing needs a shift because then expectations are really weird too.
1: They are. They're so weird. And the idea that the, that the standard that we want is that we can have things delivered within hours. Or, or in, in big cities, 30 minutes is sickening.
0: I often find myself asking the question of, in the search of joy, which is important and a wayfinding emotion, where is my joy dependent on someone else's inability to have joy? And that's kind of what you're saying there about. That's brilliant.
1: That's brilliant.
0: It, like, how how is it that if I want my smoothie delivered in half an hour, then what is that? What's the cost, really? Because it's, uh Yeah. Net joy is important.
1: Exactly. Net joy. I love that. That's fantastic. That's great.
0: Net joy. I know one of the things that you also mentioned is that joy is about just being here. Mm -hmm. And you said something in your initial email about, I can't always access joy, but the intention to do so makes all the difference. Do you have a little more you want to share about that? I think it's a beautiful observation.
1: Yeah, because... There's a way uh, that I can get a little too intense (laughs) (laughs) and there's a way that I can then run after things like, joy or and I know sometimes my husband's just like get the hell away from me you're so intense I love you I love you I love you too okay now I'm just gonna go chill up for a while and the news. um so I think I think what I mean is that there's a way that I want to relax that, that that my desire to be joyful to be present to know my life matters is a beautiful thing and that's enough <laughs> I can just rest there I don't have to turn it into a pursuit yeah yeah
0: I like that. I think that's one of the things that's so strange about joy. I mean, you can't it's not sustainable. Mm-mm. But it's like kind of a, a direction to head and and I think that's one of the reasons why maybe people Pull back from it is because they're like, well, I can't stay there anyway. But it's kind of the dichotomy of joy or whatever.
1: Right. Well, you know, Bre- Brene calls it forbidding joy. Right. Mm-hmm. So we are like, well, it's going to go away anyway. So I might as well just not even go there. Yeah. Which, of course, is also leads to lots of why bother moods and, and mindsets.
0: And if somebody is stuck in that kind of why bother, I know you said the other side of that question is uh, the kind of the. Um, <laughs> thinking of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. It's kind of that, like, oh, why bother? Yeah. Who is that? Yeah. Eeyore, I guess. Eor, Eor, yeah. The Eeyore side of that. But like the other one is the question of why, you know, why not? Like, well, why would I? Yes, why would I bother? How does someone make that shift? Because I think that's such a, a it's a subtle thing, but mm-hmm. then it's also not. Because if you're in the middle of it and you're in that place where you're like, this place is not acceptable to me, but yet I'm still sitting here watching Netflix for 12 hours or whatever? Like, how do you make that shift when this isn't okay right now, but I want
1: to get to the better place? Well, I indeed have a five-step process. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! But the five-step process, unfortunately, is not linear. (laughs) So like anything, when it comes to changing, the first thing that we have to do is, is recognize, really recognize and bring close to us the fact that we do want something to change. And we have to understand that change is not what we're afraid of. People say to me all kinds of things, oh, I'm so afraid to change, or I think I'm going to sabotage. Someone said to me yesterday, How do you know I'm not going to self sabotage myself? I'm like, self sabotage, poo ha. Self sabotage is there's not a person lingering in you, hiding somewhere who's waiting to sabotage you. That's just not the way it works. Yeah. We have what I call an emotional immune system based on some research from other people. And, and what we need to do when we know we want to start to get our bother on is we have to start to learn to stretch out and make that emotional immune system a little bit bigger, a little bit more robust. And we do that in a whole bunch of ways. And, and, and the first step is, what are you going to leave behind? There's usually some kind of something that we're, we're holding on to, whether it's grief or regret or resignation or a story like, I'm too old. And to begin to pry that away from ourselves a little bit, to begin to say, now I'm remembering that I think I'm too old, or now I'm having the feeling that I'm too old, to begin to bring some some mindfulness to that. Um, Then the next step is to ease in, and and some things that I get in that step are things like uh, wonder. Wonder is such an important part of getting your father back on to begin to see things with fresh eyes. And I tell a story in the book how I used to live in the Pacific Northwest. I live in Colorado now, mm-hmm. and I would go for the same walk with the dogs oh three or four times a week. And I was deep in a "why bother" face that went on for years. And that's the, what the book came out of. And I was like, "All right, I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna try to see something I've never seen before." And I'm like, oh, "That's just not gonna happen." I've walked this thousands of times. Oh my god, maybe I'll see some mushrooms or something. And then, lo and behold, not. 3 minutes later i saw a water tower that water tower was not new that water tower had been there all the years that i walked by i just stood there, you would have thought I was seeing an alien because I was like, where did that come from? And it was just such a moment of wonder. And there is so much freshness, those eyes of, I wonder what I haven't seen. I wonder what I don't know about this person that I'm married to. You know, I wonder about this meeting that I'm walking into that I'm already sleepy and depressed about being in. So And then there's another part of the ease and face. There's a bunch of stuff in that chapter, but another one is self-compassion and grit. And I tell a story about how when I was in yoga class one day and I had this voice come um, in my head that said, "Um, grit without compassion is just grind." And I thought, well, hell yeah, I know how to grind. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that leads us to why bother. Again, sometimes the things in our lives are actually great, but we have ground ourselves down to a nub through self-cruelty, through the things we were talking about earlier, through the conditions sometimes of our life that that do need to change, need, you know not needing to change the structural conditions at work. And um, self-compassion and grit is, is the grit. We know what grit is, right? It's resiliency. Yeah. It's sticking with things, but it's adding the self-compassion in together. Because so what I used to think was self-compassion basically meant I could, I could give up. <laughs> it was like, oh, you should you just take it easy? You know, that's be nice to yourself. Yeah. And marrying the two is a really important part of uh, getting your bother on. And the next steps I'll just say quickly are settle. They're uh, getting quiet, um, which we all know is something that is incredibly difficult to do, but it's essential. The biggest chapter is desire. It's really the key. But if we don't set the conditions for it, we won't follow it. We won't believe in it, just like my friend's story about mentoring kids. um, Become by doing, you know, some of the action things um, that really relate to why bother. And the last one is the hardest one for a lot of people, and it's be seen. We're animals who are social. We need to be in community, whether it's a community of two or a community of 10,000. And when we hide what we care about, when we hide what's starting to bring us alive, when we don't share it with our best friend or a partner or our sobriety group, we diminish and we often go back into what
0: That's so true. And I think that BC you're right is so hard because it's so vulnerable. Yeah. And so, I mean, even back to what we were saying about the how do you talk about yourself? It's so easy to talk about everybody else or show them, you know, show somebody else what their gift is. And it's really hard to own it for ourselves.
1: But it's an essential part of continuing to get your bother on the way. I actually don't think this is in the book, but I work, I've been working on this with my, my community and it's practicing yourself. I was just coaching a client and who's having trouble writing our dissertation. And the, the, one of the things that came up in the coaching call is that she really has to practice appreciating herself. Um, she really thrived in an incredibly difficult job, and she's telling stories of this job and for her dissertation. And, and she, uh, she thrived there because even though it was very, very difficult conditions, she had people who appreciated her. And I'm like, you got to get that from some outside people, but you got to start doing that for yourself. And so a really p- p- basic but powerful being seen practice is to say to yourself, I see me getting up to go to the gym. I see me getting back on a dating site. I don't know what they are anymore. <laughs> I, I actually met my husband on match.com. Did you? Um, I, did. Um, I see me taking five breaths before I yell at my sister again.
0: Well, and that does cut through the noise of why bother when you can see yourself.
1: It because, helps.
0: Because there's a very clear reason usually <laughs> of why bother when you know, no, it's me and I have a choice here. And like yeah, can- you'll
1: have some choice. Research shows that the people who are resilient in life are people who have more support. They're supported by their community or their church or their family or you know, enough money in the bank. And and that's one of the things I talk about in the book. Like, why bother is, is never entirely on you. And it may barely be on you, but you're the only one who can start to move the needle. And that can really be unfair, but it's where you're at. And sometimes it's completely on us, completely our mindset. That's
0: very cool. Yeah. Well, and so interesting when people get those ideas and start to follow and unpack them in a way that makes sense and that they can execute on. It's so good.
1: It's so good. and When you say it like this, like you and I having a conversation, it's just like, duh. But it's not duh when we're in it. Why, Why do you think that is? Why
0: do we get so stuck? Is it just because it's us? Like it's our own self and it's harder to see that?
1: I think there's a ton of reasons. I mean, there's cultural reasons. Each of us has a ton of things that have been enforced in us and reinforced, and they can be really positive things. I was raised in a family that definitely had some issues, but I got the message all the time I could do whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. But that was countered by having undiagnosed learning disabilities until I was almost through college. So I also got the message you're stupid. Why can't you do that? Why can't, why do you make those mistakes? Why do you, why can't you do now? Why do you get lost? Why do you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why are you, like, I had no hand, i coordination. going, on blah, blah. We're this ball of experience and we have trauma and we have gender issues. And I know all of it. And so for each of us, I think there can be so many answers, but do we really have to keep looking to the past? I think the power comes in saying, here I am now. Mm. and what's the next small step I can take towards something that makes my heart beat fast. And I don't have to know what it means and it doesn't have to be about being special or making money, even though maybe eventually I do want it to make me money. Like you want your business to make you money. That's great. But that, Beating heart of joy is what has to. You have to keep paying attention to. It has to be in our lives enough of the time. It's never going to be in our lives all the time, right? There's right. going to be days, no matter what, that we're like, "Why bother? Right? <laughs> why bother? Why bother to parent those screaming children?"
0: <laughs> it's interesting too when "why bother" shows up. I mean, and it can show up in like all sorts. I, I feel like it's also kind of. I guess I should jump and explain this, but like it feels like it's also a little bit of the intuition piece. Like in my own business. There have definitely been some clients where I'm like, well, your podcast sounds interesting, but I'm getting kind of the feed of feel of like, ooh, maybe this isn't the fit. Like it almost is a question of why bother? Like that sounds yes. like it's it's a real cluster over there.
1: You see, you're just experiencing intuitively the the, yeah. the worth of the question. We ask it in a cultural way where it's already answered with resignation and it's not. It's yeah, that's what is the past that is that is, or that is what your mind thinks is in the future but but is there actually somebody who's going to bother about this on the other end I mean I basically ask the question of, of why bother when I work with writers like mm. why does your the way I put it is dear read why should your dear reader care Yeah? And that's essential. And it's scary, right? It's scary to ask. You have to really get outside of yourself. And it's the same thing with a podcast. Why is someone going to care? Why? Who is this going to speak to? Who we should listen to?
0: Yeah. And if that's not really well defined or if you are not passionate about it, it's going to exactly. be really hard for anyone, the whole ecosystem. It's going to be hard for the whole ecosystem
1: to get excited about it. <laughs> yeah. And, you're, and you first and foremost. Exactly. Right.
0: So true. That's a good one. Why bother? That's gonna, that's gonna, you know, marinate in there for a good long time. (laughs) Thank you for that lens. (laughs) My pleasure. so when does your book come out and are there some places where people can find you?
1: It's Jennifer Loudon, L-O-U-D is in dog, dot com. And get on the mailing list and we will be talking about the book and I'll be putting together a street team and I'll get advanced copies and it comes out May 6th, 2020. I'm looking at my huge pile of other books, and probably the other one that is out there right now that people would really love. It's a great book for looking towards the new year. It's called The Life Organizer, and it's not about clutter and it's not about getting your stuff together. It's about really organizing your life from the inside out. So it's full of um, mindful questions. Sounds so that's awesome. That's a great book for. And it makes a great gift. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll put the links to both of those in the in the show notes. Are there any words of advice that you might have for someone who wants to bring a big dream into action?
1: Oh, forget the big part. Mm. <laughs> the way, right now. It's none of your business. You have no idea what size it's going to be. Don't look at the big picture. Every now and then, you do need to step back and look, and you, and how are the pieces coming together, and do they fit? But I, I think the place to start is, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to bother about this? Why do you want to put the time and energy and, and learning into it? Like, Really name that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And for whom is this? Like, Who is this going to go into the world for? And why should they bother? And name that for yourself. Those are the two most important things I always help people with before they start a book.
0: I love it. Thank you. And then last, and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, or in other people's lives?
1: You know, my girl, my, my girl, who's now 25, mm. we used to do this really fun thing. We lived on an island, and we would go, and we would, at, at home, we would make all kinds of post-it notes with beautiful messages and like you are beautiful you're fantastic today's going to be a great day and then we would wait you know and there was everybody was usually in bed by 10 <laughs> and we would creep out and we would put them everywhere and we bring colored chalk with us and we would write things on the on the sidewalk in front of the bank and the library that was i mean talk about starting joy for yourself and someone else <laughs> I love I got, it. I gotta do that again with her when she comes to visit me here. She still lives back in Seattle, and and I'm in Colorado, as I said. So next time she comes, with sneak around my neighborhood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that seems so like amazing, and that you just happen upon these notes. I mean, other yeah. people see them too, and and uh, yeah. that would be really really cool. Yeah, we I stuck them
1: I mean. in the weirdest places, and you know, on on doors before, you know, because the businesses were closed. It was really fun.
0: <laughs> that is very sweet. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Oh, my pleasure. That was really fun, Paula.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right hand corner of the website, and you'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're gonna wanna sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is Jumpstart Your Joy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at Jumpstart Your Joy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.